Hello and welcome to Around the Corner, the Prospect and Minor Leagues podcast at CoveringCorner.com. I'm Matt Schlichting, joined as always by Brian Hemminger. Brian, what's good? Uh, the Cleveland minor league system is good, and it's still strong because they didn't make any moves at the deadline. That's a strong claim. I think that we should go over the preponderance of evidence that we have to back it up. <laughs> well... I guess one really good form of evidence would be the success of the system. And pretty much every single team at every single level has a winning record or is in like first place. So they all are hitting, they all are pitching, they all are winning. That's all, that's always at least one good sign. And I'd say Keith Law recently announced his uh, updated midseason like top 60 players. And five Guardians were in the top 50. They snuck their way in there for sure. On average, most teams, there's 30 teams, would have one and a half guys in the top in the top 50. <laughs> and there were five. So that's pretty good. Some of these players are starting to get a lot more attention. It's very fun. Yeah. One in particular who is not even in our top 10 at the moment. We will probably have to add him here soon. When uh, we get some more graduations, Tanner Bybee was in Keith Law's top 50 in all of minor league baseball. Fifth round pick last year. He hasn't wasted any time making a name for himself in the system. There's been some chatter on social media about him, and it was very cool to see Keith Law give him the, I guess, national media recognition as well. Mm -hmm. So really, really impressive. Uh, The Guardian system is on fire. and. I can understand why they want to hang on to these prospects and let the kids play, and that's what they've been doing lately. They've been calling up people left and right. Like today's starting lineup, I think, in Cleveland has four or five rookies. It's it's a little bit insane. And then what continues to blow my mind is like, I still possibly guys they could or should call up. Yeah, and there's more coming. Yep. Absolutely. I think we should get right into him then, uh, leading us off as always. Number one has voted on by covering the corner readers, George Valera. Yeah, if you remember, he had a little bit of a down two-week stretch the last time we uh, broke this down, and this time he went right back up, bounced back to average. <laughs> Nothing crazy. WRC Plus was 100, so literally league average. So this is, to me... If George Valera is league average, that's him being down. Because he is, when he's himself, he's at least like 20% better than the average player. So so a league average George Valera slashed 222, um, 317, 444, hit two home runs, two doubles, uh, walked four times in 10 games, struck out 12. So a little bit high strikeout rate, 29%. But again, if that's him being league average, I can live with that when this is this is basically him being down a little bit. Yeah, and kind of looking at this line, strikeouts are the only thing that really jump out as me as the major concern. And week to week, I'm, even in two-week chunks, I'm not so sure that a two-week strikeout trend is anything to be alarmed about. And Especially since he's been, I guess, refinding his footing in some ways after the last month or so. It's yeah, 
I mean, he, he, he was good results. He was one of the hottest players in the entire Cleveland system for a month and a half. So if him cooling off means he's league average for a little bit, I can live with that. Uh, next up, we've got Brian Rocchio, and I'd say above average. Yeah, he continues to play exceptionally well. I think this past week he slashed two sixty two weeks. He slashed two sixty four, three fifty seven, four thirty three. Good for a WRC plus of one forty. Actually had the same number of walks and strikeouts, nine apiece. Uh, among his eight hits, he had two doubles, notched a home run, scored nine runs as well. Just excellent value overall. And this is a month straight more than a month straight of Brian Rocchio being amazing because two podcasts ago, he had a 218 WRC plus. And then two weeks ago, he had a 192. And this time around, he was at 140. So he was still 40% better than the league average player walking uh, at a 21% clip. That is insane. He is annihilating the baseball. And when he doesn't, he laughs at it as it goes by. Yeah. So, I mean, he's on fire. He has, in my opinion, catapulted himself to, uh, at least in my opinion, the top middle infield prospect in the system. I mean, there is, you know, the Freemans, there's the Arias, there's Angel Martinez, you know, there's all these guys that have really impressed and are competing, you know, to try to fill that spot. But in my opinion, it's Rokio right now, who is the future middle infield prospect for Cleveland alongside Andres Jimenez. It will be interesting to see what the team does this offseason. There is still the potential for trades in the offseason before the Rule 5. Who knows? Uh, I I continue to be the highest on Rokio out of all of the middle infield prospects. And again... One thing that it's a little bit more difficult for us to analyze is the defense, but I have not ever heard something about Rokio's defense that's not basically praise. I've heard he's had, you know, an uptick in errors this year. I'd have to actually check the stats to see if that's true. But um, regardless, you know, historically, he has been known as an elite defender. Six errors at second base and seven errors at shortstop. So 13 errors, I think. Defense is so fuzzy. It's, it's my, I can't ever shake the, I guess, disclaimer about errors where, well, in some cases, a defender is actually so good that they make a, a lot more errors than another player, but it's because they see so many more opportunities. Yeah, they're getting to balls that other players wouldn't even try. And Yeah, and so, that's we can talk uh, all day about scorekeepers. <laughs> yeah, a lot of times, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Especially at the major league level, they will do everything they can bend over backwards to give their guys a hit if you're in an away game yeah. when it should be an error. It's it's part of the fun of baseball, I think, honestly. But it, it can be this – is, this is why errors are always – they're useful to look at, but – Yeah, like to me, errors are something – it's more of an eye test. So that's a good point. Yeah. There's certain errors um, that I have seen in person that I will never forget. (laughs) (laughs) So regardless, yeah. uh, He remains just 
scorching hot. I mean, he has really been playing well for a long time now after a very slow start to the year. We want to make sure we give praise appropriately here because as well as Rokio's been playing, number three man on the list, Tyler Freeman, has been up to some things. Yeah, my goodness. (laughs) Uh, So over a 10-game stretch, Tyler Freeman slashed 450, 532, 600. Good for a 210 WRC+. It was very much time to turn up the difficulty, and so they did. (laughs) <laughs> and he got rewarded uh, mid-insane stretch. Uh, he got his call up to the big leagues. So he made his uh, pro debut yesterday, uh, which was Wednesday, and went one for three with a single and a walk. And so he's already got his first major league hit under his belt, and he uh, is starting today at shortstop. So good for him. Go- way to go, Tyler Freeman. It's really, really exciting. I think sometimes I've not given Freeman quite enough credit on the podcast, but it's often because we're trying to sort of, at least I find myself trying to think about how all of these guys rank and interact within the context of the whole system. I mean, the reality still is Tyler Freeman's a great baseball player. Yes. <laughs> and and even his outs. At the major league level. Yeah, even his outs, like his last at bat on Wednesday, he crushed the ball. It just went hard line drive to an outfielder. So I like, I love it when a guy where even your outs are loud. So I'm really looking forward to watching his at bats at the major league level. It's kind of fun looking at his progression through the minors too, because it's just very, he kept going, never really slowed down. Yep. Always figured I mean, it out at every level. The, the, the only thing, do. yeah. The only thing that ever slowed him down was injuries. And yeah, he just had a a couple shoulder injuries and you know, that that's why he started this year on the disabled list, but uh, definitely has been figuring it out. I'll let disabled list slide this time. But in terms of production, yeah, he has that elite hit tool and he has hit at every level. It's he, he even still got hit by two pitches. So didn't change his game at all on the way out. I love it. Um, Daniel Espino, uh, I have not heard news. I know that he has still not thrown balls. Yeah, the only news was that when Cleveland reached out to the Nationals about a Juan Soto trade, uh, the first thing that uh, the Nationals said was, we want Espino, and Cleveland went, nah. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only Espino news I know, but that the fact that that was where they started and so Cleveland thinks very highly of Espino. And especially considering how Cleveland, from the front office point of view, has appeared to have to run its team recently. A guy who could win a Cy Young or two, potentially. That's putting a lot on a kid, but the talent is is crazy. If you do that in, under team control, that's so much ludicrous excess value. It's insane. Whereas, not that Soto's time wouldn't have been delightful to see, but you have that. Yeah. I am glad that we will get to see Daniel Espino at some point. So, next up, Gabriel Arias. Um, he's starting to figure it out a little bit, but still slow going at AAA. 
um, slashed uh, 172, 235, 379 over an eight-game stretch in Columbus. Uh, did hit a couple home runs, so that's good. Um, and didn't strike out a lot. You know, strikeout was only uh, 14% and, uh, you know, walked uh, 9%. So, um, again, he's not playing as well as he played last year when he was a year younger at the same level. Right. But, uh, you know, hopefully he can settle in like some of our uh, other top prospects have done. It's interesting looking at the full scope of his time with the Clippers this season. I guess this includes a brief rehab stint that he had as well, but that was five games. So more yeah. or less overall at AAA, 204, 275, 364-ish is his stat line. Um, that's with a batting average on balls in play of 248, though. So some context. One also wonders. We have seen guys with oblique injuries, etc. I'm not suggesting he's hiding an injury, but... Not knowing for sure everything about a player, of course, we end up just sort of speculating what might be going on. I just continue to worry about strikeouts with him. I don't know that he has the rest of the approach at the plate if he doesn't get that under control. Everything else seems to be there. I just... One worries. Yeah. I mean, I am souring a little bit on... Uh, Arias, not that, you know, I don't think he's an elite prospect. It's just out of all of our middle infield prospects, at least for me, I go Rokio first, then Freeman, then Arias in terms of all the guys that are at AAA and up right now. Or AA and up, I guess, with Rokio. I think that feels fair. And I know at the beginning of the season, I think a lot of people probably had Arias first, so... What can you tell us about our number six man, Nolan Jones? Well, he's been up at the big leagues for, I believe, the entire two-week stretch. Now, this doesn't include that very first couple games where he was insanely on fire and was setting records for uh, production by a Cleveland rookie. So he's cooled off a little bit since then, but even still... Uh, slashing 212, 257, 394, hit a home run, hit three doubles, um, walked a couple times, scored six runs. And uh, while the strikeout rate isn't great, you know, that's at 31%. I think I can live at 31, but I don't want it to get any higher than that. And this is, uh, and we definitely need to get him, uh, you know, more walks. I mean, this was a guy that historically is walking 15 plus percent. So, Mm -hmm. but I think as he gets more experience and gets more comfortable facing major league pitchers, you know, that's clearly going to, uh, you know, make an adjustment. Well, and 30% is a very, very interesting number to see pop up simply because when he was promoted to double a in 2019, mid season, he struck out about 30% the rest of the way. Uh, his first time at Triple A in 2021 struck out exactly 30% that season. Then during this season, that dipped down to 27. So I think you're right. That might be right around the the acceptable Nolan Jones strikeout rate, given what we know he can do when he does make contact, and given that we know he will be drawing his walks. 
another thing we've talked about a little bit before is, man, if an 82 WRC plus has us going, oh, it's a little bit slower for Nolan Jones. Like, holy smokes. But yes, please. <laughs> better, yeah, but that's better than what we've been getting historically out of the outfield for about the past three seasons. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> no disrespect to baseball players who are phenomenal athletes, but rings, we want them. <laughs> So Logan Allen is our number seven man. He's been having a bit of an adventure, and it seems to be continuing. He had some re- relief time this past couple weeks. Uh, I'm not sure where you're getting your numbers. Um, he made one start. Oh, dear. On July 27th. So I'm not going to read it off of our uh, top 10 stat sheet. Um, I'm just going to read it straight from fan graphs. Fair enough. Um, it was so far his best appearance that he's made a triple-A. Uh the start was on July 27th. He went four and two-thirds innings, struck out seven, walked two, gave up three hits, uh, three runs, two of them earned. So had a 3.86 ERA. And then, you know, seven strikeouts in four and two-thirds innings. That's rock solid. 36.8% strikeout percentage. That's elite. You know, strikeout to walk rate, 3.5. So FIP, 1.76. So... I'm liking what I'm seeing. This was, he has definitely had a slow adjustment to AAA. I believe that they might be using a different ball there, which I think is affecting a lot of our players that have been getting promoted from AA to AAA. Um, But it seems like he's figuring it out. And he's a good enough player that, you know, he was going to figure it out eventually. One thing I would like to do, since we have an unusual opportunity here, is... I will read off the stats for whichever random player I happened to accidentally pull the numbers of while I was going through this. Uh, And if anybody guesses who it is and can correctly identify the player, we'll give you an award. Uh, So mystery player had an ERA of nine in three innings pitched, nine strikeouts per nine, strikeout to walk rate of three, allowed three home runs per nine, strikeout rate of 23.1, did not walk anyone. Allowed four hits, three runs, three earned, one home run. Hit a batter, struck out three. We may never know who it is. If they had a strikeout to walk rate of three, how'd they get zero walk uh, walks? This is what I mean, Brian. It's a mystery player. <laughs> they did have a hit by pitch, so maybe that counts. I'm certain everything else in here is correct. I have <laughs> no idea what happened for Logan Allen. Okay. Oops. Well, uh, we've got another pitcher. And uh, let's uh, talk about him because, again, he is another uh, top Cleveland prospect that is gaining national attention. Gavin Williams, I don't think, has disappointed at any point this season. The last couple of weeks, he started two, cruised through nine innings with an ERA of three, striking out a total of seven batters. Uncorked a wild pitch in three walks, but three earned runs total. In two starts. Uh, interestingly, one of those starts, uh, the most recent one, went three total innings, and the one prior, uh, he actually gave up all three of the runs in. But still, he is doing good work. This was uh, for Williams, maybe a little worse than we're used to. Wow, yeah, they they might be managing his innings a little bit at this point. That's a good not, point. Yeah, I'm not a hundred percent sure because yeah, that last start he pitched three scoreless innings. So I don't know why they, and he, and he only walked one. So I don't think he threw that many pitches. 
but maybe they just had him on a pitch count or something. I'm not sure. Uh, I believe that they've had a couple different pitchers that they've been working a little bit with innings management, like uh, Cantillo. I didn't hear that he had any type of injury, but they shut him down for about three weeks and before letting him pitch again. So it seems like they're they're being a little bit careful with some of the, the top performing pitching prospects as we enter kind of the two-thirds, three-quarters of the way through the season. I can't help but be curious. They're managing an innings workload, but I wonder what kind of work is taking its place. Just rest? Yeah, I'm Other not activities? sure. Now, you know, the last thing they want to do is, you know, let these guys uh, throw so much that they hurt their arms. So Yeah, not everybody's got the Jim Booten thing where they just, or Brian Shaw, I think, has the same thing where it's for whatever reason, this dude just needs to throw every day or else he loses it. <laughs> it's just weird. Um, next up at number nine, John Kensey Noel. Hit me with the numbers. Yeah, not the best contact rate or on base, but still slugging. Slug. Um, yep. Noel played 10 games at double A, slashed a 205, 225, 487, hit three home runs, two doubles, um, walked once, only struck out four times. So the strikeout rate was actually extremely low. He just uh, was a little unlucky. Uh, BAPIP of 156. I mean, my goodness. I mean, that's that's horrific, unlucky BAPIP. It's so, like MLB The Show stuff. You just go through one of those days where perfect, perfect. Oh, good. Another double play ball. Thanks. So, you know, he's he's doing his job. He's he's making contact. It's just not finding, uh, you know, empty, empty grass. So uh, I, I, I'd have to watch more of his games to see if he's popping up or hitting weak grounders. Like, I don't know what type of contact it is, but he's not striking out, which is actually, I think, a good sign. Seeing... That he is making, yeah, I, with Noel, it would be beautiful to see him start to draw walks like a Nolan Jones, right? But I think it's more important that he just gets the ball into play as often as possible. because Yeah, because his contact typically is extremely hard. I mean, this guy is a big, strong boy. So. <laughs> yes. he. How tall is he again? I, I feel a little weird sometimes. Going, I think he's like 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, I don't know if he's Will Benson tall or not. I know Benson's like 6'5". Uh, he's only 6'3", but he comes oh, in okay. at 50 and it, it appears to mostly be muscle. So Yes. Like, literally at the Futures game, he was drawing crowds during his batting practice. So Elite power. Now, Fangraphs, um, I'm just looking at it now. I don't know if this has always been the case, but they have his raw power listed up at 80 now. Ooh. <laughs> I like that. Yes. I have not seen an 80 in that column in a little bit. Maybe Vladdy was the last. I did not know that. I love that. Interesting. So just about tapping into it. This brings us along to <sighs> Bo Naylor. Yeah. Ho-hum, Bo Naylor, good again. <laughs> uh, this time he was only, you know, 132 WRC plus slashing uh, 267, 333, 567. And what's funny is this doesn't even include, uh, I believe he's hit uh, a home run yesterday that it was not included. So <sighs> the guy just continues to rake. And, you know, a lot of people might have been upset that Cleveland didn't acquire a catcher at the deadline. Bo's close, guys. He's really close. I just, I'm legitimately starting to get, I believe the word is angry about this. Like, 
you look at what our catchers are doing at the major league level, and one assumes that the goal of a major league baseball team is to win baseball games. Uh, certainly they want to maximize the total number of wins they can get in the long run. But since being promoted to AAA on June 21st, Bo Naylor is slashing 293, 418, 576. He's like the best hitter in minor league baseball, and he's a catcher. Call him up. This is ridiculous. I don't care about player development long term. He's the best catcher in the system, and you're not playing him a catcher on the major league team. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. (laughs) I will tell you that when he is up here finally, it is going to remove a huge gaping hole in the Cleveland lineup. Like, Because right now, that's it. If you look at what we have on the roster with, you know, Freeman now up there kind of taking the, the Clement utility role, the only hole is that catcher where everybody, you know, where both of our catchers are, you know, batting in the low to mid 100s. Mm-hmm. So you get somebody up there that can keep that lineup moving. I mean, there's literally not going to be a hole in Cleveland lineup when once we have Bo Naylor on the, on the major league roster. It was very funny to see uh, Josh Naylor retweet, I believe it was the Clippers account of a highlight of Naylor the Younger, absolutely smoking a guy at second base. Yeah, and the defense. He's actually throwing guys out at a much higher rate than Cleveland's catchers are as well. This is what I mean, is the people who are concerned about his defense, like you guys can go watch the games if you're really Yeah, his defense is there. If you see him play baseball, you will go, oh, what a good defender. Duh. I I will start yelling again soon. <laughs> yeah, we are big fans of Bo on this, on this show, which is great because it's just been so, uh, it feels so good to see him succeed this year after he had a really tough year last year, like pretty much the whole season. So, that's, that might be something that's also in Cleveland's mind is, you know, he's only one year removed from really struggling. Do we want to call him up and kill his confidence? So I don't know. I wonder if confidence is something that the Naylor family struggles with. I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean that, like, that's praise. These guys are kind of made to do this, it feels like. I don't know. We'll move along to the top five from all over the system for the last two weeks. Tyler Freeman was a very obvious number one, not only for the stats, but for getting the call to the show. So we've already touched on him, but we have a guy who I very recently snuck into this countdown and has returned. Yeah, Jonathan Rodriguez has been one of the hottest players in Cleveland system for over a month now. He just continues to hit. Uh, this time around, he slashed uh, 395, 435, 860. 860. Um, over a 10-game stretch, he hit six home runs, two doubles, um, scored 13 runs, knocked in 12. Um, WRC plus 246. I mean, that's insane. Absolutely nuts. Uh, the guy, uh, he's going to need added to the 40-man roster at the end of the season at this point. He's at high A right now at Lynchburg or uh, Lake County. He's going to be getting promoted. Basically, when Cleveland promotes Valera to AAA, Rodriguez is following Valera to AA or taking his spot. Yeah, that seems like it would be 
I think you're right. And you know it's hilarious. You know, Rodriguez hit another home run today. He he has 15 home runs in his last 30 games. He's literally hitting one every other game. I think that's how you say promote me. Yeah. <laughs> and he's got 17 on the season. So, like, it, it has just been something going on in the last month whoa, whoa, where whoa, he whoa. has I'm looking at really it. figured it out. I didn't notice this. You're, you're right. This is a totally crazy power surge because... Yeah, he had two for, like, the first two months. Coming into this season, he had... 14 total home runs from 2017 to 2021 in professional ball. What? People always said that he had a lot of power potential, but he was like really wiry. Um, he was like the youngest. He was in Tyler Freeman's draft class. He was the, the youngest player that could be drafted out of high school, if you remember. Um, and there was always the potential there. And he's always hit. Like, I think... They started him at Arizona and even repeated there. Um, and, he, and at both both times, he you know had a above 100 WRC plus. So he has con- hit at every level. But it has really been this year that he's broken out, both with power and average and everything, like just crushing baseballs. Yeah, it it will be interesting to see if he can keep this up moving forward, and then as he continues to move through, hopefully the Guardian system. But yeah, he he is definitely, you know, making that roster crunch in November before the Rule 5 draft even more difficult at this point. <sighs> we shall see. Uh, we talked about our good yeah, friend Because they, they could have protected him last year and they didn't. Uh, but they are going to have to this time. Especially after the kind of numbers that he has been putting up very recently. That will be getting attention. You're right. Next up. Uh, we mentioned him earlier, Tanner Bybee. Tell us, tell us a lot, little bit about Mister Bybee, who I believe had three starts over a two-week stretch. He did. He twirled fourteen and two-thirds innings during the fortnight. That was good for an ERA of one point eight four per nine. He struck out eight point five nine. Walked less than a dude per nine. He had a strikeout to nine of fourteen. Or strikeouts to walk of 14. Yeah, 14 strikeouts, one walk. That is amazing. It's just a sensational string of starts. The attention is definitely deserved. This dude's been great. The thing that that has made him so exciting was he was a good enough pitcher throwing like 92 miles an hour that he was drafted in the fifth round of the MLB draft because of how good his control was, right? And then he adds seven miles an hour to his fastball. Sure. <laughs> that's, Seven? Yeah. He went from 92 to 99. So that's why he's getting national attention now. Like, if he was throwing 99 miles an hour with that ability to locate, he would have been a first-round pick easily in last year's MLB draft. So steal of the draft by a landslide that we got him at uh, in the fifth round. Because right now... He might be pitching as well, if not better, than Gavin Williams, who also is turning heads. Yeah, the the pitching staff at Akron right now is a little, a little unfair. <laughs> what are you going to do? Go in and, and it's crazy because that pitching staff in Akron has had three players get promoted to AAA, and they still have, you know, Gavin Williams, Tanner Bybee, uh, Tanner Burns, or 
and uh, Joey Cantillo and former top 10 pick uh, Luis Oviedo. I forgot they promoted quite as many guys, but it's still... Yeah, they promoted Curry, Hunter Gaddis, and uh, Logan, the one true Allen. So I had mentioned earlier that Bo Naylor may have been the best hitter in minor league baseball over the last stretch. Not true. I, I think it was actually Will Benson who also earned promotion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what in the world? Like he, like... You want to see, <laughs> hear something hilarious? So Will Benson gets top five for, I think, the second week in a row. He uh, slashed 385, 455, 641, hit a home run, two triples, three doubles. Triple A, folks. Yeah, all a triple A. Um, still looking for that first major league hit. He got his first start today against Justin Verlander. Struck out twice so far, but yeah. what, what are you going to expect? It's Justin Verlander. Um, the zone's also been kind from what yeah. I've heard. So. You know it's hilarious? So... His WRC plus is 186 over that two-week stretch spanning nine games. When I was on fan graphs, this is to show you how long Will Benson's been locked in. I initially met, marked it for, you know, it was supposed to be from July 20th to present time, basically, right? I accidentally did June 20th to present time. So added a whole extra month of performance, and his WRC plus was over 200. Sure. <laughs> Adding a whole extra month of games, and he was even better than he was over the last two weeks. That's how good Will Benson has been this season. Developmental leaps are really interesting. Yeah, because this has been a guy that has been striking out at 30% or higher at every level. Like, even the year that he kind of broke out repeating at Lake County when he had that four-home run game. Um, this was back in, I believe, 2019. Even then, he was still striking out, you know, 30% or higher. This year, he dropped his strikeout rate almost 10 percentage points. For the entire season, it's down to like 22%. And he's kept his walk rate up at like 18. So, I mean, he he clearly deserved a promotion. Like, the, the makeup of this kid, the, the amount of effort he puts in for self-improvement, the, the, the coachability... Like everything screams plus with him. And the one thing that was always, you know, the issue was could he hit like a major leaguer? Because he's got everything else. He's got the speed. He's got the power. He's got the defense. He's got the arm. So if he can hit major league pitching and he is definitely improving to the point where I, I think he can, like he's going to be able to help us a lot. Yeah, this is. Like he's playing center field today, a guy that t that could have, if he'd have stayed in the minors, was on pace for a thirty thirty season. It it's time for him. Like he's, I think this is his shot in Cleveland. He's got to make a count. I think he's going to. But it's going to be exciting yeah. to watch. So he can play all three outfield positions and first base. So I think he's up here for good. I hope. Coming to our final fifth and final. Petey Halpin. Yeah, Halpin has continued to hit well. Uh, he is on a, a huge on-base streak of like 25 games. Uh, during his last two-week stretch, including nine games, he slashed uh, 389, 463, 528. Uh, didn't hit any home runs, but he had five doubles, scored 12 runs. 
Um, he's just been getting on base and getting getting in, um, which is you know that perfect type of uh, table setter. And he and he's not just slap hitting singles. You know, five doubles is really good over a nine game stretch. So twenty uh, years so old. He, yep, a, another high school bat that we're developing into a, a solid outfield prospect. So he's at High A Lake County right now. So he had a good season last year at Low A Lynchburg, and he is continuing that success this year. I kind of like our – we have a sixth man uh, just to give a little shout-out to again this week. And I'm not 100% sure of the pronunciation, but I'm going to go with Mike Collado. Yeah, it's and M-A-I-C-K, so it's either Mike or Mike, like depending on you know your pronunciation – uh, I believe he's from the Dominican. He's 19 years old. He's in the uh, Dominican League. But for the, this is his season slash. I'm not even saying his two-week, which we'll get to. But his season slash in the Dominican is 373, 480, 506. So on the season, he has a 172 uh, WRC+. Plus. I think he's hitting the ball a little too hard for those kids. Yeah, he's got one home run, uh, eight doubles, stole a base. Uh, he's also walked 18 times compared to 15 strikeouts. So just really seems to have uh, figured it out this season. Um, he, he This is – oh, actually, no, he's in the Complex League. This He was in the DSL last year, and last year he had a 111 WRC plus in the, the Dominican Summer League. So he's in Arizona right now as a 19-year-old. He's still hitting the ball too hard. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I believe he also has an, an insane on-base streak. But um, over his last two weeks, he played seven games, and he's slashing 407, 500, 556. So I figured I would definitely give him a shout-out. Um, um, he plays first base and third base, 511, 160. Switch hitter, so might be a guy you want to, you know, learn, remember uh, moving forward. Yeah, I like, it's fun when we find a player like this in, in the rookie leagues or the complex leagues to start, or excuse me, in the Dominican league or the complex league. I'm still getting used to new league names, but goodness, because uh, I remember Yeager Diaz was a lot of fun to keep an eye on when he started absolutely slugging. And, and you know what's so annoying about Yeager Diaz is when we traded him, and again, it was a good trade. We got, I think, Miles Straw in that deal. So, center fielder of the future. Like, um, but Yainer Diaz is now like the number three prospect in the Houston system, and he was in the Futures game this year. <laughs> he has not stopped hitting at all. Yeah, he <laughs> just frustrating. Never slowed down. I mean, I understand why we had to trade him. He was a guy that needed. Uh, protection in the Rule 5 draft, and we already protected 11 guys, and we were going to leave off Oscar Gonzalez, Will Benson, and Joey Cantilla last year. So that just would have been a, a whole other guy that was probably going to get stolen. So I get it. You know, trade him, get back a starting center fielder that can help us. Would have been cool having a, a Yainer bow <laughs> uh, combo. For sure. This is where age, I think, comes into play a little bit, because I think that Diaz is like a year and a half older than Naylor at the same level. Mm, I know in terms of he needed 
added to the 40 man and Bo didn't. Right. Yaner's 23 and Bo is 22. Yeah, yeah, he is older. And Bo's at AAA. And Yaner. So they, they both basically have had, followed the very similar uh, paths this year. They both started at AA and they're at AAA now. And they both have had uh, WRC pluses over 100 at both levels. Although Bo's hitting better at AAA than Yaner was actually. <laughs> be fun i feel like pretty soon we'll see them both on the same field when we get our guardians astros game in the next couple of years yeah yaner is hitting for more power though believe it or not yaner has 18 home runs already how many triples <laughs> four well shit uh, i guess we didn't we haven't completely cornered the market on triples hitting catchers then let's see yeah bo bo has four as well and 12 home runs so oh uh, What's up? I believe it's time for the cupboard, Brian. Okay, Corner Cupboard. Uh, for those that are new to the podcast, Corner Cupboard, Matt and I each pick a position player and a pitcher that are not in uh, you know, the top 20 for covering the corner for our you know top prospects, and we kind of follow them along each season. So uh, I chose Will Brennan as my position player and Will Dion as my pitcher. And Matt chose Jake Fox and Jack Leftwich. So Will Brennan hit well. Uh, again, he continues to hit well as he has done all season. It hasn't been quite as insanely dominant, but uh, 108 WRC plus slash 333, 333, 476. Uh, hit a home run, a triple, a double. Struck out just uh, 11% of the time. So. Really, really good, strong performance from uh, Mr. Brennan. How did uh, Fox do for you? In the last two weeks, he slashed 280, 379, 360, WRC plus of 116, strikeout rate of 24% with a walk rate of 10%. No home runs, no triples, two doubles. Uh, Leaned into one to get on base as well and stole two bases. So he continues to play the baseball well. Now, Brian... What can you tell us of Will Dion's exploits? Yeah, Will Dion, um, he was hittable, but uh, was very good in terms of strikeout rate. Uh, two games started, he pitched uh, 8.1 innings. ERA was 5.4. He allowed five runs in those 8.1 innings, uh, but struck out 17 and walked two. So his, his problem was uh, 11 hits allowed. So... You know, just needs to, you know, reduce a little bit of contact. Maybe got a little unlucky. I don't know. But 17 strikeouts in 8.1 innings. I mean, that's something that a relief pitcher would dream of, not not just a starter. So really, really strong strikeout numbers. Uh, so I can live with that. He continues to be a really interesting pitcher to watch. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, over... he, he would have been promoted if they had room at this point. They just don't, uh, like if you look at Lake County, even though Gavin Williams and Tanner Bybee have moved up to double A, they've got some guys that were top draft picks um, that they are, that have not been as good that they still want to keep giving, you know, starts to like Tommy Mace and Doug Nikhazy. So. Mm -hmm. The Mace actually had a pretty good start this past week as well. Yeah. Plus, there's already been two other guys promoted from Lynchburg uh, in your boy, Mr. Leftwich, and 
uh, Rodney Boone. So, you know, just there's not quite the space available for Will Dion or I believe, what was it, Reed Johnson? Yeah, Reed Johnston to get promoted, who have both been very, very good at low A. Yeah, so maybe didn't or won't get the opportunity this season, but next season placements could definitely be fun to watch. Over in, in my corner of the corner cupboard, Jack Leftwich, they finally got to him. In two starts, he had an ERA of 7.8 across eight innings, was striking out 10 plus per nine, but key here, three home runs, seven hits, or excuse me, eight hits with the seven earned runs. Uh, it was going to happen eventually. It's very, very rare to see somebody just completely cruise through the minors and never have a bad stretch of games. And so the next step, I would think, is bouncing back, continue to yep. play the baseball. And then uh, moving forward, we've got uh, quite a few transactions to talk about. Um, we've had several promotions. I think the first one we'll start with was uh, Hunter Gaddis moving from double-A to triple-A. So as we mentioned, that's the third double-A pitcher to get promoted. So major props uh, to Mr. Gaddis. I think he even had a couple uh, st- good starts at triple-A already. Other players... Uh, worth paying attention to transaction-wise. Um, let's see here. Uh, former first-round pick, Lenny Torres. He was on the inactive list. Uh, some pretty sad news. I believe his uh, father passed away, um, but he was reactivated, so he will be able to start pitching again here soon. And then uh, Angel Martinez. He actually went on the injured list and was only on it for, I believe, the the seven days and then got activated and went right back to, to hitting. So uh, was not a serious injury with Angel Martinez. And then I think uh, the other major ones have been promotions to the big leagues. Nolan Jones, we've already talked about, but Will Benson getting the call to Cleveland, and now Tyler Freeman getting the call to Cleveland. So uh, like this right now, today's lineup has rookie Stephen Kwan, rookie Will Benson, rookie... Nolan Jones and rookie Tyler Freeman in its lineup. It's very neat. And it feels good. That the youngest team in baseball keeps getting younger, but also better. Huh? Who could have foreseen this, Brian? <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, this has been the season of uh, let the kids play. So, and I think next season is too, like, cause we really haven't let the kids play in terms of pitching that much this year. There seem to be some guys who are surrendering their opportunities to be starting pitchers for the Guardians at the moment, though. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and and that's okay that we haven't been calling up the top prospects for pitching because they they're all of our elite elite pitching prospects are a year away still. Yeah, like Espino, Bybee, Williams, in my opinion, are top three, and they're all a double A, uh, and then. You have that kind of next tier of, you know, the Gaddis, the Logan Allens, the Currys, um, the Peyton Battenfields. I mean, they're still definitely guys that can pitch at the major league level, the Pilkingtons. I, right now, the only one out of all those that's on the 40 man's Pilkington. So we just got to be a little bit patient and just uh, let Cleveland call these guys up when they think they're ready. And, and I trust Cleveland's development that they're going to call these guys up when they are ready. 
I do too, as much as I yelled about Bone Nailer earlier. Yeah. They tend to get these things right, and so I'm not going yeah, to considering them when they do it in reality. I just some of yeah, these considering players. the performance of these guys so far that have been getting called up, they're calling these guys up at the right time. I agree with you. Because <laughs> Nolan Jones came up and started just raking. Uh, Tyler Freeman gets called up and gets a hit. Steven Kwan's been a Rookie of the Year candidate all season. Oscar Gonzalez has been a Rookie of the Year candidate. So uh, you, you forget about Oscar. He's not in the lineup today because he's a righty facing Justin Verlander. So that's another one. <laughs> Yeah, it's just been insane. So I believe I believe that brings us to the end of the podcast for this week. Uh, would I potentially be able to wrap us up with a selection by E.E. E. Gammings? Oh, please, please do. Thank you. Give me just a moment to get prepared. <clears throat> the only things I shop for. To stir badly. To hike smoothly. Ben Charrington. Max Munchie catches Brian Reynolds. Treasures gallantry.